Malo and welcome to the World in Sport from RNZ Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Manu Samoa qualify for the Rugby World Cup and Peter Taufa Tofua hints at another Olympic quest. But first, Tonga Rugby League coach Christian Wolfe says a proposed revamp of the international calendar appears to be a step in the right direction for Pacific Island teams. The proposal from the NRL includes a new Oceania Cup to be played next year between New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa and Fiji. Two separate Four Nations tournaments would also be played in 2020, with Australia, New Zealand, Tonga and Samoa competing in one, and England, France, Fiji and Papua New Guinea in the other. Christian Wolfe says he was encouraged by last week's announcement, even though he only found out via the media. Yeah, by the looks of things, you know, teams like our, uh, ourselves or countries like ourselves and Samoa and Fiji are, are certainly being considered in, in how they can be involved in competitions. And you know, it certainly appears to have a view to involve us with some of the bigger nations. You, know, you certainly would like to be a little, little bit more consulted, that's for sure. But uh, as I said, there's, there's certainly a positive there in the fact that we are being considered for those games. You, Tonga, be it Samoa, Fiji, whatever, you want that opportunity to play against the Tier 1 nations, against the Big 3 consistently and regularly so I mean this is obviously just a proposal right now but the Oceania Cup you get to play New Zealand, Samoa, Fiji and, and obviously these four nations tournaments you get to play New Zealand, Australia and Samoa so uh, you know consistent competition against top teams that's what you're after right? It is yeah definitely uh, that's exactly what we're after and, and from that point of view it does look positive I'd, I'd certainly like to know exactly how it's um being seen to be formatted. What I wouldn't support is that Pacific nations all play each other, you know, again, and, and, and the winners play uh, one of your Tier 1 nations. I don't think that's the way forward. I think we all need opportunities to play Tier 1 nations on uh, a little bit more regular basis. Um, so I'd be very interested to know exactly what format everyone's thinking with it. But again, the, you know, the initial sort of look at it certainly looks positive in terms of having some opportunity that wasn't there in the past, that's for sure. You say that this was news to you last week, but did you have any inkling that they were working on something? Oh, look, I did have a couple of conversations with people involved. You know, obviously, we're pushing really hard to have the uh, the game against Australia at the end of the year, and uh, you know, that involves some conversations with people at the NRL. And so I, I did have some uh, idea that there was discussions around you know, an international calendar, and, and uh, obviously here there could be more games and a, a more secure sort of calendar, I suppose, for everyone. Um, but uh, you know, I didn't know exactly how that might look, or or uh, we didn't really have any input into that whatsoever. So there, w- there was an inkling, but no input at all. You know, this calendar will obviously be put to the International Federation uh, meeting later this month in Singapore. So, uh, would you expect Tonga National Rugby League to voice some of your concerns or, or some of Tonga's preferences up there? I'd certainly like to think that we get some consultation. We've seen a number of times what we need to get past is just the Pacific Island teams playing each other and, and thinking that that's a way forward. And while we all want games, we all respect the fact that you know, if we are playing each other there, uh, it certainly gives you opportunity for games. We certainly need opportunities outside of that as well. I think we've all proven that uh, we're very capable of that. And, um, you know, I keep going back to what International Rugby League needs at the moment is events and uh, and games that are going to uh, you know, really capture the attention of, of the rugby league public, and you know, uh, there's a lot of games that involve time that certainly do that. I've said a number of times that I, I really think we need to look at some sort of uh, uh, series or, or regular matchup between Tonga and New Zealand. 
you know, Thomas Samoa uh, is a is a must keep in the international calendar because people love rivalries and people love grudge matches. That's exactly what that is. That's exactly what Tonga versus New Zealand is. And um, yeah, they're two games that, in my opinion, need to happen every year. Now, how that happens with an Oceania Cup, I'm not sure. But I, I think we uh, don't necessarily need to need to have competitions as such or cups as such, but we, we certainly need events that are going to uh, capture the, the imagination and capture the, the rivalry that uh, the general rugby league public want to see. And what do you think a regular competition like this Oceania Cup, like the Four Nations, or even if it is just you know one-off test matches regularly against those Tier 1 countries, what influence do you think that would have on your ability as, as Tonga or any other Pacific nation to continue to attract the best players to play for your team or to stay with your team? Yeah, obviously, we've got uh, yeah, a number of players who've, who've you know, made a decision to you know, be with Tonga and want to see Tonga go forward. And, uh, there's lots of reasons behind it. The way I want to see it is that those guys are they're obviously investing in something that they believe in um, and something that they're very close to, uh, but they're also investing in the uh, international rugby league and um, yeah, they're certainly trying to uh, playing their part in, in terms of making international rugby league better than what it has been. And giving those players and giving those countries that they represent uh, opportunity is how the, the game can give back to them as well and, and that's what I think we all want to see. That's Tonga rugby league coach Christian Wolfe. Samoa can finally start planning for next year's Rugby World Cup after completing a 108-43 aggregate win over Germany in the Oceania Europe playoff. The Manu needed three tries in the last 11 minutes to avoid an embarrassing defeat in the second leg in Heidelberg, recovering from a one-point deficit at half-time to win 42-28. Five of the Manu team play their club rugby under former Samoa captain Pat Lamb. I spoke to him about coaching the Manu Samoa team, and live today as a Pacific Island rugby player. The best thing about coaching, you know, you're trying to unlock talent, bring everyone together and put everyone on the same page to enjoy it. I mean, rugby is a fantastic team game and, um, you know, uh, you can have the best individuals in the world, but if you don't come together as a team, as you've seen many examples in team sport, you're going to be struggling. So, um, you know, so obviously you've got to have a very good game, you've got to have strong culture, and you've got to have a really good leadership I get those things, three things right, and it's uh, it's magical to watch uh, what you can achieve, and uh, that's why I enjoy coaching. I, I know in football, especially in Europe, it's very common to have uh, a squad with a myriad of international elig- um, uh, nationalities, and um, you know players from all comers. And you know in the Premier League, you often have just only a handful of Englishmen uh, in, in most of the teams, and the coaches are often foreign as well. Um, Possibly not so much, especially in New Zealand, in, in a rugby sense. You know, the majority of the players are New Zealanders or New Zealanders of Pacific descent, and the coaches tend to be New Zealanders. So, going over to Europe, to the UK, uh, Ireland, um, and having a squad that comes from so many different countries, uh, uh, is that something you've had to adapt to? Yeah, I mean, I obviously did as a player. I played six years up here, so I played in the Premiership and European Cups. And the big thing, again, it, it comes back to you know, you being willing to get to know. Uh, the country get to know people and um, and build relationships. Um, I think the um, you know certainly here Bristol when I got here the, the squad when I signed in there was only 50% were English. So in the recruitment and retention and you know the biggest issue we need to set a vision. So um, I checked that with our owner Steve Lansdowne what he wanted to achieve and 
and wanted to come down to it and inspire our community for rugby success. And I just set three main goals for for the team. You know, one is to be a Champions Cup team. One is to be players to play for England because ultimately guys want to play at the highest level and Bristol's part of the RFU. And the third one is to bring young Bristolians and which keeps you connected and aligned to the academy and the schools and the clubs to bring people through. And that's why when I looked at it, I said, how can you do that if you've only got 50% English players? So um, I signed a few more younger ones, guys coming through, did a big revamp on the squad, made sure that if we're bringing foreigners in, they've got to be close to number one or two, you know. They've got to be world-class. They can help grow these younger English players coming through. And hence the reason Stephen Lortua, Charles Piatel, Siali Piatel, um, Ian Madigan, um, you know, John Afoa, all of these guys are already having a massive impact with the local boys. Um, so when, you know, when these guys come to, to head home, that uh, those English boys will take over. And I did exactly the same when I was in Ireland, um, you know, uh, bringing, bringing players in. That's why I brought Mills Moriaina. You know, of course I knew it wasn't the Mills of, uh, you know, at his peak, but he was 10 years in the All Black leadership group, outstanding All Black. And the impact that he had, to bring the local guys through the huge. So um, all of these are all part of the plan and all part of uh, making sure that you've got clear goals and then a process to get there to achieve it all. And obviously that, you know, you talk about the English core, but obviously that group of uh, Pacific Island internationals that you've got there, you, you mentioned the likes of Siali and Charles Beata. Uh, obviously you've got the Lay brothers have just joined up recently as well. Tusi Pisi's, you know, had a long career, Alapati Leur, um that, that's probably quite unique, isn't it? Obviously, most of those players make their living over in Europe generally because that's where the, the contracts and that's where it's a bit easier to, to, to do that. But, um, you know, Bristol, you guys seem to have done something quite differently in terms of how many Pacific players you have and in, in that culture that you've uh, brought to the team. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those boys, some of them were already here, obviously Jack Lamb and that, but certainly that's what I meant was, you know, we had a lot of players that were uh, weren't English and they were probably ranked third or fourth so it was important to get, if they were going to be the foreigners, that they were, they were up there. And all the guys you mentioned uh, certainly you know, um, will, will be pushing number one and number two. And, and, and you need to have a good depth because it's such a long season. You're playing 30-odd games and not everyone can play. So you've got to, to, to be successful up here. You've got to make sure that you've got really good depth in each position and, um, and competition. And that's why... You know, a lot of work went into recruitment and retention and making sure we've got a good balance that, that, that matches our vision and matches our objectives of of being a Champions Cup team and being players and having players that play for England and, and local boys coming through. So if you don't have that, then you just sign up anything you want. With all this talk about a potential super rugby team in the Pacific one day, I mean, people have looked to Bristol and said that you guys are almost like a you know a mini sort of trial version of that. Uh, there's more teams in New Zealand that have more than us. But there's a lot more Pacific Islanders. And um, as the same up there. I think, you know, and that's probably what I was saying. This is, you know, obviously the Samoan team is disappointing because there is a lot of quality Samoan players uh, all around the world, you know, getting well paid, playing at the highest level. So, um, you know, for them to be ranked 17 at the moment is, is not great. And they should be way above that. But it, it is clear, like, professional rugby is done more for the, for the Pacific Island individual. A lot of them, a lot of some of them are paid way more than All Blacks. Um, and, um, but ultimately, when they come together as a team, you know, that, that's why the, the quality of the organisation and the coaches, we don't do a Pacific Island team, you know, the coaching group, the management group, all of that needs to, needs to be right. But there's no doubt there's plenty of quality Pacific Island players right throughout the world. 
do you think it's easier or harder now to be a professional Pacific Island rugby player? Oh, I think it's easier in the sense that they're well looked after. I think um, you know a lot of them are, are on very good salaries. They're able to look after their families. It's understanding that when you when you bring the team together. Now, there's so many things you can do, but you just got to be really clear and organised uh, to put every all these quality players on the same page. And once they get on the same page, they can play the team game of rugby. If you don't, you've got 15 guys, individuals getting out there who are very good but not playing on the same page and um, you know not playing effective rugby. I mean, that's the beauty of this game. And you know, when I was with Connacht, it was great because we had the least budget. We had players um, that uh, you know we were unknown, hadn't achieved anything. But as I said to them at this moment, you know, still a belief in a culture that it's about team. And if we work hard for each other and we have clarity on what we're trying to do. Um, you can achieve amazing things. I mean, you look at the Football World Cup at the moment, you know, Neymar, Ronaldo, Messi, the best players in the world, but their teams all dropped out, you know, the same with the Germans. Because if you don't play as a team, you can have all the best stars, it ain't going to work, and it's no, they're no different for rugby. And um, for you, obviously, as a club coach with Bristol, um, you, you can see it from both sides in terms of, you know, end of the day, these players earn their money from their clubs, that's how they look after their families, you know, pay for their lives. Um but, but obviously they're very passionate about their countries as well and, and want to represent their nation. You've got Samoan players over in Germany at the moment. We're in an ideal world. They'd probably be at pre-season or they'd probably be resting right now. Uh, uh, how do you balance off those international versus club commitments in terms of your squad no, and your players? No doubt. I mean, the highest, I mean, the highest privilege and honour is to play to your country. And we'll never, ever stand in the way of guys doing that. That's the job as a coach is, you know, all the players that I've coached, you know, as I said in my coaching philosophy, when they enter the program, as long as they exit a better rugby player and a better person, then I can sleep at night regardless if you sort of finish first or last. But, you know, that's why you have to go back. And if you're if you're near coaching and, you, and, and, and if you're a coach and you're not there to help the player achieve his goals, there's something seriously wrong. So players will come in here and they want to be the best they can and, and, and have the ultimate honour of playing for their country, playing in a World Cup. And we get just as much pride and satisfaction that these boys have come through our program and they're representing their country. So, no, we're, we're very supportive of them, um, you know, and that each, each player uh, gets that recognition. It's fantastic. That's the Bristol rugby coach and former Samoa loose forward, Pat Lamb. After breaking the internet in Rio and racing down the slopes of Pyeongchang, Tongan athlete Peter Taufa-Tofua has plans to make another big splash at the Tokyo Olympics. The 34-year-old first made global headlines with a shirtless entrance as Tonga's flag-bearer at the 2016 Summer Games, a feat he repeated at the Winter Games in South Korea earlier this year. After representing his country in taekwondo and cross-country skiing, Tofa Tofua told Koro Vakauta he plans to take up another new sport in time for Tokyo 2020. One of the biggest things I do is I, I set dreams which are impossible and then find a way to find a way to get there. Um, so on the 20th of August, I'll be releasing that what that new sport will be, and um, if, if and when I can achieve that, then I'll you know hopefully be the uh, the first male in history to do three uh, completely different. Olympic sports in three different arenas. Wow. Any hints? I mean, obviously you're going to do the announcement, but is it something quite different from Taekwondo and obviously from skiing? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, for it to be three completely different, it has to be in a, you know, in a different arena. Um, so what we're looking at is water. 
Interesting. And you're hoping that this will, again, just bring more... Uh, not It's not just about yourself and through all your work. It's been about promoting Tonga as well, isn't it? It's, it's about promoting Tonga, but it's about promoting the Pacific. I mean, we're a big part of the world. Our, uh, the overall area of the Pacific is you know, larger than the... Uh, larger and similar in size to the United States, but and hundreds and hundreds and of different islands, and, and we're the people that get impacted by everything first. Um, but it's not, you know, I've, I've got a good life. Everything's going well for me. But that's, that's of no importance unless I can share some of those things with other people and people who are following my journey or, you know, who continue to follow my journey, whether it be through Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, um, you know, showing them what they can do, showing them that, you know, they can set these big dreams, and if they get them, amazing. If they don't get them, amazing. Um, and not to fear this, this uh, idea of failure or, you know, not to fear, fear even trying something. That's Peter Taufa-Tofua speaking with Koro Vakauta, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Go.